All right, so it's our last time together. Um, I ask you to bring your uh, notebooks that you got. I, w I want you to turn to the session notes for this one, and I want you to, to fill in a blank for me. I want you to answer this question, and uh, this is going to kind of open us up for what we're going to talk about this morning. So you, I want you to answer this question, and I want you to be totally honest. This is between you and the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to, to give us your answers this morning, uh, but I, I think it's so important to identify this before we even start. I want you to answer this question. What are the things that make me anxious? What are the things that make me anxious? Some of you, you're writing down that Josh just asked me to write this, uh, this on a piece of paper. Everything, everything in the world that makes you anxious, go. So I know a couple of you are still, still writing right now. Um, some of you, you wrote nothing because you're, you, you, you're lying to yourself probably, but um, you may have wrote nothing because you're just pretty relaxed and you don't normally get anxious about a whole lot. Uh, my life sometimes is that way. But then other times, anxiety wrecks me. And when I say wrecks me, like emotionally, it does something to me on the inside. It, there, there's fear. There's, there's just all this emotion that sometimes it, it can get to a point where it's so bad that like, I don't sleep or I lose sleep as a result of it. Um, and I, I have this overwhelming anxiousness for my kids. Uh, I, I'm a pastor. Are my kids going to grow up and love Jesus? Are my kids going to grow up and hate Jesus and hate the church because dad's a pastor? Um, am I a good dad? Am I, do I even know how to be a good dad? Like all these things. And if I allow them to, those thoughts and those things where my kids, like are my kids going to be protected? You know, is somebody, is there going to be something that ever happens to them? Like what can I do to help them? I mean, all those things like, and those thoughts, especially when it comes to my kids, they can absolutely wreck me. I would bet that some of the things that some of you wrote down on that, on that piece of paper this morning, and there in your notebooks, that some of those things deep down, those things and that emotion, if you allow it to, can absolutely wreck your life. Because it'll keep you from, from, from being uh, present where you are. It'll keep you from connecting with other people. It'll keep you from, from going the, to, and being in the places that, that you know that God's called you to be. It'll keep you from, from walking in obedience to Him because of all the what-ifs and what might happen and all the things that you play out in your mind. That this idea of, of being anxious is something that... It's an emotion that's a very real very genuine part of our lives. But it's something that God specifically has some incredible words for, for us. Because it doesn't have to be something that wrecks us. It doesn't have to be something that we live with and that we're like, well, I'm just defeated by this. So, uh, I'm going to give a couple statements. This is where I think generally anxiety comes from. 
This is not every circumstance. This is not everything. These, these are just some general thoughts. And this is uh, some, some things that I, where I think being anxious comes from. Number one, I think it's when our focus is on things we can't control. We, we worry, and, and I'll use worry and anxiety here kind of interchangeably uh, this morning, but we worry or we're anxious about things that we can't control. And some of you, you live with someone who that's how they live. And they're always talking about it, and they're always concerned and they're always freaked out about all these things that are totally out of their control. And, and sometimes that can be kind of passed on to you. But that's, we, don't, we don't have to live that way. But usually we get really anxious. And it's normally over things that we don't have any control over. Uh, num- number two is we focus on things that don't really matter. The things that we freak out about, the things that, that we, we panic about, the things, honestly, in the long run, in the grand scheme of life, and the grand scheme of the kingdom of God and what He's called us to do and living and being on mission for Him, they probably don't matter as much as we actually think that they matter. And we will flip our lids over stuff that it may seem important at the very moment, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not really... It doesn't matter all that much. Quite as much as we think, or number two is we, or number three, we'll focus on our circumstances, and 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 by this I mean we focus on all the what ifs and what might happen, and what are they going to say, or what will they think, and we go through all these scenarios and all this stuff, and our our eyes are on the circumstances. All right, one of the places other than my, my family, um, I've shared this with you guys. The, the hardest thing for me to do in my responsibilities at the church, this is going to be so, this may sound very strange, but the hardest thing for me to do is to come to your school, those of you who are my students, is to come to your school and have lunch with you. You know why that's so hard for me? Because I am not comfortable walking into a room with full of people that I don't know and sitting at a t- Once I'm at the table, I'm good. But you know what goes through my mind when I'm doing it, when I'm standing there, because I'm usually early and I'm standing there outside the lunchroom waiting on you guys to come? What if they forgot? What if they don't really want me there? What if, and I start doing all this stuff, well, like what, what if there's no seats and I have to stand up? And I start going through all these scenarios and I get myself so worked up with all the circumstances and all the scenarios. And I, just, I, I do have to just push through that. But it is one of the most like, it's so weird, but the most gut-riching things for me to do in my responsibilities is to do that. I can go anywhere else. It doesn't bother me. But for whatever reason, that particular scenario, I stand there outside the lunchroom and everybody else is walking past, all these people who I don't know, and there's person after person, and I'm like, oh my goodness, is Garrett actually going to show up? Or is he going to like duck his head and slip on by me? Or uh, is Catherine going to kind of like just go on around? Like, and, I, and I don't think you're, either of you are going to do that. But that's, uh, that's the craziness that happens when I, when I allow these thoughts in my head. Is it just it's, it's takes me down a road and it takes me into these circumstances that I don't, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Like I, I, oftentimes I can recognize it. But man, it doesn't take away kind of the knot in my stomach. In, in those moments, I think that your generation, 
What researchers are telling us and what people are saying is that your generation is the most anxious group of people that, that, that there's ever been. That the, the anxiety that you deal with, the levels of anxiety that you deal with, would have in the 50s, they would have put someone in, in a mental hospital. In, in a lot of cases. Not, not everybody, not everything. And this is so real, I think, in, in most of our lives. But here's the thing. When we are fully known by God, we can be finally free, even of anxiety. When, when, he, when we know that He loves us and He calls us and, and that who I am in Him, then we can push through those circumstances and those thoughts and we cannot have panic attacks and we cannot live in this constant state of fear of the what-ifs and what might happen and all these things. God has something more for us than to live and to dwell on all that stuff. He has more for you and for your life than for you to be crippled by those thoughts and that emotion. And so I, I hope this morning as we look at God's Word that, that you will see this. That you will see how that you don't have to live this way. How this isn't God's design. It's not God's plan. He gives us the antidote. He gives us the help. He gives us the medicine, if you will, in His Word as to how we can walk in victory over anxiety. So if you have your Bibles, or if you, it'll be here on the screen too, but Psalm 13. Psalm 13. And if you want an even more comprehensive uh, viewpoint, then you can at some point turn to Matthew chapter 6 and read Jesus' account of what to do when you're worrying. It's a, there's a lot of verses and it's a long account. It's, it's, it's incredible, but I, I really sensed this morning that we needed to look at Psalm 13. So pretty much if you open up your Bible like you just... Let it fall open. You're probably going to fall somewhere in the Psalms because that's about halfway in, in most of your Bibles. All right, so we're going to be in number 13, starting with verse number 1. It says this, Lord, how long will you forget me? All right, so this is the Psalm of David. This is King David. This is his, him begging God for deliverance. This is him begging God for, for help over all the emotional, both, both his enemies who are chasing him down, but also his mind, the enemy of his mind and all that's going on inside his head. He says, Lord, how long will you forget me? He says this four times. How long? How long? How long in these next few verses? I mean, there is some definite turmoil going on in his mind at this, this moment. He says, is it going to be forever? Again, how long will you hide your face from me? So, so he says it again. How long is this going to be God, I, am, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. How long is this? Am I going to continue to endure this? And then he says, how long will I stir up, store up anxious concerns within me? Interestingly enough, you take your, what you just wrote down on your notebooks this morning. You take that and you take that. And, and those are the things that you're storing up inside of you. That's the reason why I wanted you to write that down. Those are the things that you store up. Those are the things that are there. Those are the things that you, that you dwell on. 
So you can kind of take those, and if you're thinking about a locker or, some, or a storage uh, unit or something like that, like you're putting, you're taking those things and you're putting them there in your mind. You're storing up your anxious concerns. Now, David's fearing for his life. And he says, God, how long is this going to be there? I, I think a lot of us feel the same way. God, how long am I going to be like this? How long will I be so anxious? Why am I so crippled by this? He says this, and again, this is what it does. The agony. So how long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. Listen, those days when I've stood outside the lunchroom, it's, it's like on the way to school, all those things. Like it's agonizing for me. It's ridiculous because I know, like, I go because I'm, I'm invited. Like, I don't even know why I get to that point. But it, it just, like, I, something in, in me wells up inside, and I'm like, what is going on? And I have all these circumstances and all this stuff and all these things. It's like on the inside. It's like knots in your stomach. What do you do in that? That's where David's at. He says, listen, it's agony in my mind. How long will my enemy dominate me? Now listen, we're not, most of us, I don't think any of us are fearing for our life on a, on a normal basis. Um, but, but the reality is you have an enemy who's come to destroy you. you, you we have an enemy as followers of Jesus who has come to absolutely destroy our lives. And it seems like this is one of the areas that, that Satan has come to absolutely wreak havoc in our lives. Is it, he, if he can make us so anxious, then we'll never do the things that God's called us to do. We'll never be the man. We'll never be the woman that we're, we're called to be because we'll, we'll live in, in fear and anxiousness over all these circumstances and all those things. Our focus will be everywhere but on Jesus. If he can do this to us, if he can trick us, if he can deceive us into this. So he says in verse three, hey, God, consider me and answer, Lord, my God, restore the brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. So he says, listen, it even like this is these anxious concerns. What's going on in my mind? And now he, again, he's fearing for his life. But uh, in this, he says, listen, all this is going on. God, you're the restorer. You're the one who's going to help me. You're gonna, the one that's got to bring me back to health. You're the one that's got to help in this. He says, restore the brightness in my eyes. Listen, if you know it, if you've ever dealt with it, if you've been in those anxious moments, then you know what that does. It wrecks your health, too. I, everything from the inside out, it changes who you are. And so what he says there is, please restore the brightness in my eyes. The enemy will say I've triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. So he says, listen, I am shaken at the core. This is who I am. This is, this is going on and I, I don't, my enemies are going to rejoice. You have an enemy that rejoices every time you say no to the Lord because of all the what ifs and, you, and your fear and uh, you, when your focus is on all the other things. Every time you do that, they re he rejoices. So, and I apologize for this. I, I meant to give you this earlier. The word anxious, it means this. 
to worry about something with an unexpected outcome. Anxious means to worry about something with an unexpected outcome. It, it is essentially to say, you know what? I, I feel so uneasy. I can't rest. I can't sleep. I can't be comfortable in who I am because I'm so anxious about whatever might happen or what the outcome may be. I feel so uneasy. And then I read this as part of my daily office, this particular psalm, about two months ago. And I read it, and I wrote something in my Bible, and, and this is kind of an old word that nobody uses anymore, but this is what the thought that came to mind when I read this. I wrote it out here, out beside it, the, these next two verses. The antidote to anxiety. The, 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 the cure, the medicine, if you will, to anxiety David gives us in, in these next uh, two verses. It's not easy. It's, it's, it's not just, well, you do this and you do this and you do this and it's gone. But what we see here is that David's circumstances don't change. But his attitude is what changes. The, those anxious thoughts about my children, if I, if I allow myself to dwell on them, you know what? It can wreck me. Those, those moments in school when I go and do that, like if I allow myself, it can absolutely wreck me. But that, I love to do that. I love being there once I get there. So my circumstances are there. That's going to be part of what I do. So how can, I, how can my attitude change? How can I internally, what steps can I take to be different so that when those anxious thoughts or those anxious concerns come to me, what is it that I can do to lean into the Lord, to lean into something? Because what am I going to do to take those thoughts captive? And David gives us some, some, just a couple words that I want you to remember. They're simple words, they're easy words, but I think it can be profoundly life-changing for us if we'll rest in, in these words this morning. So he says, listen, in all these troubles and all these anxious thoughts and all this stuff, he says in verse 5, but I. So not, not the, trust, the, the circumstances haven't changed, all these things, like they, they haven't changed, but we see that his attitude, what his attitude is. He's asking God for help. He said, so God, I have trusted in your faithful love. So number one, you could just simply write the word trust. You notice he's not trusting in his circumstances. He's not trusting in his abilities. He's not trusting in anything, but he says, I am trusting in your faithful love. So the antidote to, to, to anxiety, the, how you deal with it is first is we trust in our Heavenly Father's faithful love. Now, here, here's, the, here's this something interesting for you. So his faithful love is the object of our trust, not anything or anyone else. His faithful love is the object of our trust, not anything or anyone else. Listen, uh, I loved I loved doing the trust fall. I absolutely love that because uh, th there's so much that comes from, okay, I'm in. Now, I'm trusting in people, and it's a little bit different than trusting in the Lord because I'm trusting that your strength will hold me up. And last year, you guys dropped me, um, or the, the people who did it, I went right on through you because I hit the ladies' arms or all of you young ladies' arms and went right on through you because... You weren't strong enough to catch me, I guess. But um, 
And so I went first yesterday because I wanted to, to first be the example, but I wanted you to know that you could trust the people behind you. Some of you didn't go and do the trust fall in the opportunities you had to do it. And you know why you didn't? It's because you were trusting the circumstances. All you could do was say, if you got up there and you got back down, all you could do is look and say, I, I don't know. Will they? Will they? And all those anxious thoughts and all those concerned and all your focus is on everything else around you. Some of you were so freaked out that you couldn't even take the steps to the platform because you were so afraid of all these things or you were so worried. Well, it, 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 will they catch me? Do I weigh too much? Am I, am I going to keep my arms right? Am I going to do my legs straight? Am, am, like, am I going to do all this stuff? And you begin to focus on all these things. Some of you didn't do the wall when you had the opportunity to do it because you were so freaked out and you were so anxious about all the things that may happen or could happen. But what, what we're told here, if we're going to overcome anxiety, like it's, it's going to be there. Those thoughts are going to be there. But what we can do is when those thoughts begin to come is that we, we have to lean back into the fact that you've been invited to the table as a son of the king, as a daughter of the king, and trust in his faithful love that never fails you. The problem is we begin to trust in our circumstances, in our friends, in our parents, in our pastor, and all these other things instead of in the one place that will never, ever, ever fail us. He is faithful to us. And faithful He will ever be. I love that song because all of His promises are yes and amen. End of story. The problem for us, though, is we trust everything and our focus is on everything else instead of just going back to, no, God, I trust you. For me, when I'm standing there in the school, is no, God, I trust you. I'm here for them, not for me. And so I trust you and I'm, I'm, I'm walking through the door. With my children, no, God, I'll do everything that I possibly can do to protect their hearts, to shepherd them, to guide them. But that's all that I can do. I trust you. I will do my part, but I will trust your unfailing love for them and for me. And, and I'm good. I'll, I have to rest in that. Otherwise, I'll drive myself crazy. And the fear and the anxiousness and the panic attacks that could happen if I allowed myself to go down that road, that's what would happen. So number one is we trust. But then he goes on, he says this. He says, my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. Not, not that deliverance has already happened, but he says, my heart will rejoice. So you're going to, number one, you're trusting. Number two, you're going to rejoice. Uh, the, the word rejoice, it means this. It means to show great delight. So he says, hey God, I, I'm, I'm going to show great delight. So I, I, I choose to rejoice in you. As miserable and as crappy as the situation can be at this very moment, I, I choose you. I choose to think about the good things that you've had in this moment. I'm going to rejoice. What happens to most of us, though, is that we've been conditioned to look for the worst in everything. 
We've been conditioned to look for the bad in everything around us, in every circumstance around us. And so we begin to focus on the circumstances and all the, well, what if they don't talk to me or what will they think or all these things instead of saying, no, God, I choose to rejoice that I even get a voice to speak. I choose to rejoice in these moments because I get to go to a school and get an education. I choose to rejoice that I get to do what I love. And that's invest in the next generation. So we trust and we rejoice. And for a lot of us, that's going to take a mindset shift. That's going to take like our, it's going to take some time to rewire our focus and our brains because we spend so much time focusing on all the circumstances or all the negatives or all these things. But, but God has something better for us than just to be always thinking about the circumstances or all the what-ifs or what might happen. So we trust and we rejoice. And then finally, verse number 6 says this, I will sing to the Lord because He has treated me generously. We trust, we rejoice, and we sing to the Lord. Trust, rejoice, and sing. Does that mean that you sing out loud as loud as you can in the middle of your school when you're feeling anxious? No, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, you can if you want to. That's fine. But that, that, that's, you, you don't have to belt it out as loud as you can. Faithful you are. Faithful you'll ever be. Like You don't, you don't have to necessarily. But, it, but to know that those, that's who He is, that that's His character, that you are loved, that you're fully known by Him, you can just simply, in the moments of, of the, that crazy, overwhelming anxiousness, that's when you repeat that, God, you're faithful. That's when you whisper, God, you're faithful. Maybe you have a favorite worship song. I mean, you guys have sang incredibly the, the, these, these last four sessions. Like, I've just been blown away about how, of how loud it's been in the room. It has been, it's been awesome. But maybe you have one of these songs and you say, listen, I'm going to learn every single word to this song and I'm going to proclaim it in the night when, I, when things are dark and when I don't understand what's going on. I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to listen to this. I'm go, I'm gonna, it's going to be my anthem that I'm going to call on in the midst of this, in the midst of my anxiousness, in the midst of my worry, in the midst of my fear. This is where I'm going to go. So we trust and we rejoice and then we sing. So what I wanted to do is, is show you a little video clip of someone who's like famous, famous speaker, like speaks to 50,000 people. I'm like pastor of a church and, and I, I like literally he got so depressed and so anxious that he couldn't get out of the bed. So this is just a couple, a quick, quick couple minute clip of, of his story. from one of the most difficult books in Scripture, the book of Job. 
that God gives songs in the night. I just said to God, if you'll give me a song, I'll sing it to you. And this little chorus came into my mouth. Be still, my soul, there's a healer. His love is deeper than the sea. His mercy is unfailing. His arms are refuge for the weak. The next night, 2 o'clock, that same wake-up came, but I had a song that night. And that song ultimately led me back into the light again. Worship pierces the darkness, and it leads us back into the light. That little song was reminding me that I'm not healed today, but there is still a healer. Chris Tomlin took that little idea, made it into a Grammy-nominated song that I know has touched the lives of a lot of people around the world. So that just gives you a, a little idea into his life. And he was crippled. And I've heard the full story of how literally he, he, he thought he was having a heart attack. He, his chest hurt so bad. And it was days on end where he just couldn't even get out of the bed. Because he was so anxious and he was so depressed. And so what, what I want you to know and what I want you to understand is that we can trust in his unfailing love. It, uh, the, the, all those anxious thoughts, they're probably not always going to go away the rest of our lives. But it's what we do with that. It's the attitude that we have towards those things. So it's, it's shifting our mindset from saying, you know what, I'm going to let these things be what I dwell on, to changing our mindset to saying, you know what, I'm going to dwell on the things of God. I choose to focus and trust in His unfailing love. I choose to rejoice and I choose to sing for what He has done for me. If you're in Christ this morning, then you know what? You can sing and you can rejoice that you can say, listen, I've been invited to the table. And it may be that in the most anxious moment, that's all that you can even get out is, God, you love me. So what I did and wanted to do for you is to kind of give you some practical little phrases or little things. And I've, I've, uh, there's a book that I read by a, a monk by the name of Brother Lawrence, who I got some of these from. Absolutely, it's called Practicing the Presence, and it's like this real tiny little book that you can read in like 15 or 20 minutes. I mean, maybe an hour, not 15 or 20 minutes, but probably an hour, would you guys say? I mean, like, it's, it, but it was so good. And then some other places where I've seen um, just some, some things. And so I actually wanted to give you some thoughts that maybe just to help jumpstart you. When those anxious moments come, when it's time for you to say, you know what, instead of being so anxious, I'm going to choose to trust and rejoice for what God has done. And I'm going to sing to Him. I, I just wanted to give you some phrases to, that you can write down. So we'll write this on, the, we'll put this on the screen for you. So what do I need? The question is, what do I need to do for Jesus to be the loudest voice that I'm going to hear or listen to today? What are some things that I can do? So this is one that we have taught our kids, and this is a psalm that's repeated multiple times in the psalms. So when my kids wake up in the middle of the night and they're afraid for whatever reason, sometimes it's a game they play, sometimes it's no, they're legitimately afraid. When, when they do this, this is what we taught them. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. 
And so I can go back, and right now it's been Jubilee, my, my four-year-old, and I can go put her back in the bed, and I'll say this, hey, Jubilee, when we're afraid, who do we trust? And she'll say, when I'm afraid, I trust in God. It, it's, it's taking, because that stuff probably will never leave, but it's what we do with, with those thoughts that, and, and how we can take those thoughts captive and change our mindsets. When I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. God, you are all-knowing. You put me right here. God, you are all-knowing. And this is something from a song um, that called Forever Rain. That's been one of my kind of all-time favorite songs, and it goes like this. You are good when there's nothing good in me. You're good when there's nothing good in me. Next one. God's got me, and He won't ever drop me. God's got me. He won't ever drop me. You are help in my troubled times. What does that do? It takes our focus off of the troubles and it puts our focus upward on Jesus. The past is gone because Jesus paid it all. The past is gone because Jesus paid it all. Lord, here's my life. Your will be done. And oftentimes these are statements that I'll say and I just have to just... I, it's not like it's a song, but it's something that I whisper in, in my mind, and I'll sometimes will have to say it over and over and over. Lord, here I am. Use me. And one of the things that you can do, if, if this is your statement, is just simply right where you are, whether it's in your desk at school or at the lunch table, just kind of turn your hands over. Just turn your hands over and say, God, use me. Here I am. Because it's just symbolic of you saying, this is me. Use me. You are good. You are faithful. God of love, I love you. So maybe you didn't have your notebook or you aren't taking notes and you'd like to have a copy of this. I'd be glad to get you these things. Um, 
I'll try to put some of these things over the next week or two on social media so you can see some of that, some of it too, and just be reminded of it. Listen, let me tell you something. You have been invited to the table by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He loves you. He has called you into relationship with Him and His desire. He already knows you fully, but His desire is that you would be finally free. That you would not live with all the fear and anxiousness and the comparing and all the things that that go through our minds, but that you would trust, rejoice, and sing to Him. Because God doesn't want you to live in bondage the way that many of you are to your thoughts and to the what-ifs and to the what-might-happens. So I think we're going we're gonna to sing one more song this morning. And this is one of the newer songs, but the words to this song are so powerful. And they are so incredible. They're so good. So we, we want to proclaim this. Uh, this morning, but before we go one last time together. So you sing, sing it loud. I'm going to pray for us. God, I pray that you would help every one of us with our anxious concerns and our anxious thoughts that we store up in our minds, that you would move and work in strength and power. God, that, that we would take those thoughts captive and that we would think on you and your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy. God, we don't have to be crippled by this anymore. And so, Father, I pray for the the young lady who just is overwhelmed even right now. God, that in, in the darkness of her soul, that she would just cry out to you in this moment. If it's one word or a gazillion words to you, that she would cry out to you. God, for, for, for the dude that's here today and they're just not sure and they're just still struggling. God, I pray that in their anxious thoughts that you would help them to know that they're loved, that they've been chosen, that they've been adopted into your family with all their guilt, with all the shame, with all the junk. You still look at them and you still love them. God, help us to proclaim that you are good and that you make us new today. May this be the day that we plant our flags and say, no more. I'm moving forward with my relationship with you. In Jesus' name.